Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am the host of Independent Thought. My name is Desmond Price. No matter where you are in the world, I want to thank you for giving me a few minutes of your day to hear my thoughts. As always, we have a great show for you today. Now here are our topics. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Independent Thought. My name is Desmond Price. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. For all of you out there who are consistent listeners, thank you so much. For If this is the first time you're listening to one of my episodes, welcome to the podcast. In today's episode, I'll be talking about the chaos at the Capitol this week. It is not originally what I thought I'd be bringing to you this week, but after it happens, how could it not be? So before we dive right into the podcast, I want to just say that I'm going to break this up into a couple different things because there's a lot to cover here. It may not seem like it, but there really is. There's a, there's a lot to unpack with what happened here today, or I'm sorry, not today, but what happened this week. Um, so first, I'm going to talk about exactly what went down, all the little details that might have been missed. And then in the second half of the episode, I'm going to talk about who's to blame for how this went down, because I might have a little bit of a different take on it than maybe you're expecting. But before we dive into the episode first, I want to say that if you are not already, please subscribe to me. I'm sorry, sorry not subscribe to me. Uh, please follow me on Instagram at independent thought. That is the best place to keep up with me and the podcast where I post things to my story daily. Make sure to check that out. So with that being said, let's get started. So we all know what happened. The Capitol was under siege by a group of rioters mixed in with some domestic terrorists. That's the word I'm going to use. Feel free to use a different one if you would like. Uh, the Capitol was overrun this week, and we all saw different clips of it, whether you were watching the news or you were watching you know, it was like clips on YouTube or just random posts that you saw. We all were subjected to some verify, you know, some variety of coverage about what happened. So the question that I was asking myself as I was sitting there and watching the coverage all day was how exactly did we get to this point? Because you might have noticed that I had referenced in a previous episode that I knew that this rally was going to take place today because I had heard that they were planning this. I had heard that crazy conspiracy theorist Alex Jones was planning this Stop the Steal rally in D.C., where, as I had mentioned before, they were trying to get millions of people in D.C. They did not, but they still were able to get thousands of people into D.C. for this rally. To be fair, this wasn't the first quote unquote, stop the steel rally. These things have been going on in various areas of the country for the last couple of months now. In fact, for those of you who don't know, Alex Jones, the conspiracy theorist, hosts a show called InfoWars. This is normally the part of the episode where I'd say, look him up, but you're probably better off not really knowing too much about him. But just in case you are a little curious about who Alex Jones is, he's a conspiracy theorist who among many things that he is infamous for, infamous is the right word in case you're wondering, he is infamous, I think, for mostly for saying that the parents of the, uh, the murdered children of the Sandy Hook school shooting were actually crisis actors 
and that their children didn't actually die and that it was a giant just government conspiracy to push their um, second amendment takeover because in his world and you know in conspiracy land um, every time that there's a shooting it's actually just the government uh, staging it to kind of force this anti-gun narrative down our throat so he's that guy so that guy yes that guy is organizing these stop the steal rallies in fact he had one about a month or so ago in georgia where he said that we will never back down to the satanic pedophile globalist new world order so and in in that statement he was referencing joe biden and the democratic party um so that is the kind of person who is orchestrating what we saw in the Capitol this week. A person who believes that all Democrats are Satanists and they're all pedophiles. So that's a great place to start, right? So once the Stop the Steal rally was in, you know, DC in full swing, obviously President Trump urged everybody to go down to the Capitol and show strength. He said, walk down Pennsylvania Avenue and let them hear you, let them see you, make sure you show strength. Rudy Giuliani said that you have to let them know that this is a fight. And so you got a bunch of people who, and let's, let's be fair to what we're saying here. You know, not every you know, person who votes for Trump is the kind of person who's gonna go to a rally like this. So you have to be finding people who are somewhat not all there to go to a rally that's organized by a person who thinks that all Democrats are Satanist pedophiles. And then on top of all of that, what they believe is that somehow an election that's been verified in so many different ways you can't even count at this point is still somehow in question because, well, because Trump said so. So let's, let's, let's keep going about what was actually happening here. As these protesters, rioters, domestic terrorists, we're walking down Pennsylvania Avenue. Certain news companies tried to kind of pick up with them, talk to them. Fox News, CNN, were both talking to them. I know because I was watching at the time. I've made a habit of trying to watch Fox News and CNN on days like that because I wanted to see how the conflicting coverage is going. I feel like it allows me to kind of create a better, well, understanding of where both narratives are heading. And so, it was interesting listening to Fox News and CNN talk to these people because now apparently Fox News is no longer uh, real news either because the people that they were interviewing couldn't help but tell Fox News how they were fake news. So I guess Fox News is no longer, you know, uh, good enough for some people who vote for Trump. But that can be dealt with later. You know, a lot of people were kind of upset because what didn't make sense and doesn't make sense to me either is the fact that there was a lack of a police presence presence once these people actually reached the capitol which i have to you know agree with everyone makes absolutely no sense i mean while it is true that demonstrations happen in dc quite often and so it's not like you call in the national guard or an enhanced police presence every single time that there's any demonstration in DC because there's demonstrations in DC all the time. And for those who live in that DMV area, you know what I'm talking about. What is interesting is that these groups were organizing online for this rally 
for weeks. And we know how the government monitors internet traffic. So it does seem a little odd that they wouldn't have an enhanced presence in the Capitol, given the fact that they knew the kind of people that would be coming to this event. So we all know what happened next. You know, they kind of breached the steps of the Capitol and then they decided to go into the Capitol. But before we even get to that part, we have to talk about what's been disputed by a lot of people online, which is how some of the police officers let these protesters in, let these rioters in. And I've seen the coverage of this. I have seen some of these cops, you know, like letting the, you know, letting these people in. Some of them were taking selfies with them. And I think one of the narratives that really bothered me the most was that all of these police officers were either white supremacists themselves or that they were okay with white supremacy. I feel as though I was seeing that kind of narrative just consistently being pushed on so many people's stories that I personally follow and others that I saw on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. And I feel for the cops who I know actually didn't want anything to do with this. Because I've, as I watched the live coverage, I saw black police officers being chased by white people through the halls of the Capitol. I saw black police officers fighting, you know, <laughs> these demonstrators in front of the Capitol. And I couldn't help but think to myself, I'm sure these black police officers are not really okay with the whole country calling them white supremacist sympathizers. Because let's, let's just keep it fair for a second, okay? Not all police officers think the same way. Not all of them act the same way. Not all of them have the, sex, the exact same political beliefs. So to lump all of these police officers together is really not fair. To say that all of them think the exact same way is just not okay. Because I'm sure some of them were okay with these demonstrators. That's why some of them let them in. Some of them took pictures with them, so on and so forth. But let's be careful about saying the fact that all of these police officers were okay with this. Because not all of these police officers were okay with this. 57 officers were injured combating these people, these rioters, 57 of them. One of these officers died. He was beaten to death, basically, with a fire extinguisher. I'm sure that police officer wasn't okay with white supremacy. So let us just be very clear about what we're saying because words do matter. And words matter in a way that I have taken a few days to kind of figure out exactly what I wanted to say on this episode, because I think of nothing else, this event has reaffirmed what I already believed, which is that our platforms matter, okay? We can't just go around saying whatever we want, whenever we want to, and thinking that there's gonna be no repercussions of that. I know that we don't all have the same audience that Donald Trump has, but we need to all be a little more, you know, just like thought out when we just throw around terms like that, because I just do not think that that's fair. But I will digress a little bit for, from that for now. What is true is that they did not have an adequate uh, force ready for that. So while some police officers were obviously not taking this seriously, the ones who were were overrun by these people and they weren't able to contain them. And from what I've seen in reports, the, the mayor of DC 
asked for the National Guard to be mobilized because unfortunately she does, she didn't have full authority to just do it herself. She had to ask permission from the government. And apparently uh, Trump just didn't let the National Guard be authorized right away. In fact, he waited because there were reports coming out of the White House that he was pleased by what he saw at the at the Capitol originally and was kind of confused as to why others in the White House were not as pleased as he was. And so he was delaying uh, the National Guard deployments. And but eventually he allowed it to come with the FBI and hundreds of police officers from the state of Maryland. And they made around 70 arrests the day of the incidents, and they've made several subsequent arrests of the people who broke into the Capitol since then. So just for a quick context here, you know, I want to just make sure I'm calling it what it actually is. You know, there were some people who were protesting peacefully. Those people never broke into the Capitol. There were rioters. And then there are some who I'm just going to call domestic terrorists. And I will put that label on those who, if you did not hear about this, there were a couple of people who broke in to where the RNC and the DNC uh, headquarters were inside the Capitol, and they left pipe bombs in there. So that's a fun thing to be happening in our Capitol, along with the people who were going through the halls yelling, where's Pelosi, where's Pence, because they believed, because they were told by somebody, that someone being President Trump, that those people had the power to somehow overturn the election. And that's the crazy thing that we you know, that I really want to talk a little bit more about, it, which is why these people believed that they somehow were going to intimidate the members of Congress into overturning the election. You know, and what was really interesting in that is that, you know, some of the Republicans also seem to be confused by it. In fact, Rand Paul, you know, after this incident was over, a senator from Kentucky was really confused as to why so many of these people thought that Congress had any way of overturning the election. In fact, he said that, yeah, these things just can't be done at the federal level. You know, that has to happen at the states. And why would we overturn the election? Because if we did that, well, then the federal government would just be overturning the will of the states. We would basically just be getting rid of the Electoral College and Republicans would never win another election again which on a side note, I think it's funny that he openly admitted that the Electoral College is the only reason that Republicans ever get elected. But we'll save that for a different episode. So we saw what was happening at the Capitol. Someone died inside of the Capitol. Someone was shot. That lady lost her life. And after the lockdown ended, you had some members of Congress you know, reconvene, well, actually, I'm sorry, all members of Congress reconvened to continue the certification of the election. Now, some members of Congress decided that, you know, what had happened that day was, you know, enough for them. It was enough for them to decide to not to contest the election, which was originally the point of the rally. The rally was in place because Donald Trump was hoping that he was going to get his crowd of people to go down to the Capitol to convince the people of Congress to overturn the results of the election for all of the allegations that he's always throwing out. Now, some members of the GOP were going to try to object to the certification. 
I'm not sure what they were hoping to accomplish, but that was what they were going to do. Now, some of these people decided that after all the craziness had gone down, that they were no longer going to go along with it. But some people, you know, surprise, surprise, decided that, you know, the Capitol being overrun by a mob and someone being shot in the hallway and dying and tear gas and all of this stuff, all of that, it, it wasn't enough for them. They still had to object. And so since they felt the need to object, I now feel the need to tell you all of their names. So in the Senate, there are seven people who decided to go ahead and object to the certification of the election. So let's all remember their names just in case you live in that state and you feel the need to vote against them. Here we go. Ted Cruz of Texas, Cindy Hyde-Smith of Mississippi, Tommy Tuberville of Alabama, Roger Marshall of Kansas, John Kennedy of Louisiana, Rick Scott of Florida, Josh Hawley of Missouri. And if you're wondering, oh, what party are they in? Don't worry, they're all Republicans. It'll should be easy for you to remember that way. So they were all, these seven senators, even after everything that happened, even after someone came into the Capitol and died, and then subsequently, four more people died later on in the day from heart issues, or sorry, from, from health issues that occurred during the siege of the Capitol. Those seven people still wanted to object to what happened specifically in the state of Arizona. So for full disclosure, I want to now tell all of you what happened in the state of Arizona. Arizona held a Democratic election in which the results were certified by the Secretary of State and the governor, who's a Republican. And while the ballots were being cast, they all of the voting was being overlooked by both Democrats and Republicans. But for whatever reason, for reasons that they cannot name, they were not okay with this certification. And when asked what exactly they were upset about in Arizona, they kept just referencing irregularities. And when they were asked, what are those irregularities? They had nothing. Occasionally they referenced what they, you know, affidavits. So a sworn written statement by poll workers. And some of the poll workers said that, you know, people were acting suspicious and that they couldn't see everything that was going on. And sometimes people brought in boxes that had a lot of ballots in them because, you know, that's such a weird thing to see inside of a place that's counting ballots. But let's, let's just, let's move away from that for a second. Here's the thing to know about these elections, whether we're talking about Arizona or Georgia or Pennsylvania or what have you, if you're having any of these conversations with your Republican friends, this is a thing to know. All of these states had to certify their elections in a bipartisan, you know, in a bipartisan system in each one of these states. Not only that, but in Georgia, they recounted the votes four different times, four different times by hand. In Wisconsin, they did that. In Pennsylvania, they did that. In Michigan, they did that. In Nevada, they did that. In Arizona, they did that. And strangely enough, even though all these states had their recounts, for whatever reason, it wasn't good enough for these Republicans. Because let's be fair, this was never really about 
trying to make sure the election was fair. This was about trying to virtue signal to their base because they're upset that they lost. Okay. They weren't objecting to anything that happened in Texas, Ohio, Florida, Iowa. Did they, were they just not looking for fraud in those states or was it not a big deal because they didn't lose those states? So obviously this wasn't really an effort to overturn anything. This was just a show that they were putting on. Okay. So, and I'm sure that there's probably a good reason about why they were doing this, you know, and it probably comes from the fact that they're scared of Donald Trump because as he has said multiple times and has his son said on Fox news on Tuesday, anyone who does not stand with us will be primaried because Donald Trump, you know, surprise, surprise has no intention of leaving the political sphere after he leaves office, he's going to stay a prominent figure in the Republican Party and already fully intends on finding his own Republicans to continue to run because he really likes the idea of propping up politicians and then them eventually winning and him being able to take the credit for it. Because let's be honest, he's not going anywhere. I wish he was, he is not. And so I gotta say, of all of the objections that I heard and that I was disgusted by, even after all of this chaos took place, the one that really pissed me off the most was Josh Hawley's objection to Pennsylvania. Josh Hawley and other Republicans are upset about Pennsylvania, and you've probably heard them talk about Pennsylvania a lot. And what they're upset by, as far as Pennsylvania is concerned, is that what they claim was, you know, illegal or unconstitutional about Pennsylvania's election was that in Pennsylvania, they sent out ballots to every voter and the voters didn't have to request them. Let that sink in for a second. They're saying that Pennsylvania's election was unconstitutional because they sent out ballots to every registered voter without the voters themselves having to ask for them. Not that they, you know, not that they weren't registered, that they weren't residents of Pennsylvania, not that they weren't registered to vote, which proves they have to be a citizen of the country and a citizen of the state, but that the fact that they didn't ask for a ballot, so they shouldn't have gotten one. Listen, if you are so bad at politics that your only path to victory in your mind is to keep people from voting, maybe you don't have a platform worth standing on. I'll just throw that out there. So if your whole thing about Pennsylvania's election that's really pissing you off is that people who are registered to vote had the chance to vote, I mean, what are we talking about here? What are we even talking about? The thing that I really feel the most bad about is that the casual conservative is hearing a bunch of claims about election fraud and things being unconstitutional, you know, from their leaders, people who they trust, who they believe in. And these people are just manipulating them into believing absolute nonsense. And they know it's nonsense, but they don't care. They don't care. It's absolutely crazy to me. And so what exactly are going to be the repercussions of all of this? I mean, so far, what we've seen is that Trump has been banned from Twitter, from other platforms, other Republicans, you know, including Josh Hawley, have had their book deals revoked, and now they're all screaming about censorship, which, just to go on a small tangent about censorship, everyone knows that the First Amendment doesn't protect you 
from any from any and all repercussions. It just protects you from the government putting you in prison for certain speech. And that even in and of itself has limits. But these private businesses, these Republicans are upset because these private businesses are making decisions that they're allowed to make. There is no violations of the First Amendment by them kicking you off of their platforms. They can do that to any of us. So who is really to blame here? That is the real question. Who is to blame for everything that happened at the Capitol? Well, Trump thinks the answer is Antifa. Trump has already come out and said that he thinks that the people who stormed the Capitol weren't actually his protesters because, you know, or his, or his voters, his supporters, his supporters would never do that. It had to be Antifa, that damn Antifa. They showed up to the rally. They dressed up in all like red, white, and blue clothing. They brought themselves Trump hats, Trump flags. Don't tread on me flags. They were playing themselves. God bless the USA. And they did all of those things. Antifa did that. Yes, they did. Of course they did. Antifa is like the new boogeyman for the for these people. It's insane. Do you guys remember the summertime when we saw a video of a police officer kicking like a really elderly man like onto the ground? I remember Trump saying that that old man was Antifa. Do you remember in the summertime when we had wildfires blazing through the west coast of the United States? Trump said that Antifa was lighting fires. That it wasn't global warming, it was Antifa. They were lighting the fires. Isn't this really fun when you can just blame whoever you want to whenever you don't want to look bad? It's absolute insanity. But with all that being said, I will tell you who's actually to blame for all of this when we come back from the break. Hey, Indie Thought listeners. Has this past year helped you rediscover your creative and crafty side? Well, then you're going to love our sponsor for today's episode. Bathing Beauties Beads is a full-service bead shop in the heart of downtown Missoula. Whether it's seed beads, semi-precious stones, vintage beads, or just materials to make a project, they have something for every person and every price range. Not from Missoula? Don't worry. They have an extensive online store and they will ship directly to you. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, they'll welcome you and help you make your next project a reality. You can find them online at Bathing Beauties Beads on Instagram and Facebook or at bathingbeautiesbeads.com. And don't forget to use offer code INDEPENDENTTHOUGHT at checkout to save 15% on your order. Betty's Divine is a locally owned boutique on the magnificent hip strip in downtown Missoula, Montana that has been a fixture in the Mountain West since 2005. We have a fondness for vintage inspired clothing, shoes and accessories for humans, as well as the real deal found in our vintage department, Divine Trash. Betty's Divine presents a snapshot of Northwest styles with an emphasis on street, skate, surf and rock and roll culture, as well as Americana classics. Alongside a radical selection of clothing, Betty's Divine offers a damn fine array of shoes, jewelry, records, and accessories to satisfy any taste, whatever your age or vibe. You can count on us to prioritize financial, social, and environmental responsibility without sacrificing the look. Visitors enjoy a lovely atmosphere, dreamy tunes, and the best customer service in the West. And you can shop us online at Betty'sDivine.com. 
Welcome back from the break, everyone. Thank you for sticking with the episode, for sticking with me. And you know, before we get back into the subject, I just want to say, if you have not already, please go subscribe to the podcast. And if you are listening on Spotify, please click on the turn on the notifications little tab. Uh, Spotify is not the best about telling people when we have new episodes out. So, and if you were able to, please scroll down into the episode notes. And if you are able to, please support the podcast by clicking on the support link. With that being said, let's get back to it. Who is to blame? Isn't that the question that we all want to know? Who is to blame for this? There feels like there might be a lot of candidates, but I have one, and it's the most obvious. It's our law and order president himself, President Trump. Now, while that might be the most obvious, I want to spell out exactly why this is. President Trump, for those of you who do not have, you know, a masochistic streak, he has been on Twitter every day, multiple times a day, screaming about the election being fraudulent, about it being rigged. Fun fact about that, he even said it was rigged before the election even started. Fun fact about that, he also said it was rigged back in 2016, the election that he won. Isn't that fun? Donald Trump has been sowing this seed of doubt into the people that listen to him every single day. And let's be clear, you may not take Donald Trump seriously. You may not know anyone who takes him seriously, but he has 88 million Twitter followers. And there's millions of people that hang on to every single word that he says. And I covered this when I did my Donald Trump episode, where I talked about how when you go to one of his rallies, when you listen to him speak, there is a very through line narrative. Everyone who is against me is the fake news. Only I will tell you the truth. And while that may sound crazy to you and I, there are millions of people who subscribe to the gospel of Trump. And he likes to paint this picture about how he and only he will tell you, the people, the truth about what's happening in this country. And I can't believe that there's a bunch of people who follow every single thing that he says, but they're out there and they exist. And he manipulates them to his own benefit every single day. It disgusts me to no end. Donald Trump, as I said on my Instagram Live, for those who caught that this week, is a cancer on this country. And I know that I have people who listen to this podcast who support Trump. Some of you are my friends. I am not apologizing. Donald Trump is a cancer on this country. It, it bothers me to no end because he's known the entire time that this was not rigged. Okay, he claimed that, you know, oh, well, I went to bed the night of the election. When I woke up, there was just more votes there. It's like, it's like they were counting through the night or something. Like, who would do something like that? Obviously, it's corruption. And while he knew that that was nonsense, and while most of us knew it was nonsense, there's 75 million people who voted for him in this country, and they don't think that's nonsense. They think that, wow, 
I don't understand how this process works. My president must understand how this process works. He told me that it's fraud. It must be fraud. Trump knows this, and he's manipulating it to his own end. But it's not just him. Because you would think that if just one person was saying this, that maybe if enough people were speaking out against him, that that would be enough. But that's not what happened. And this brings me back to all of the nice things all those GOP members were saying after the attack on the Capitol. Because while it was nice to hear Mitt Romney give a speech inside the Capitol, which was circulated throughout CNN, and while we heard other Republicans like Sass of Nebraska, or, I mean, um, Senator Lee from Utah, or even Mitch McConnell himself saying that this was all ridiculous. And even lots of people on Fox News were saying this was all ridiculous. As far as I'm concerned, it was too little too late because all of these same Republicans who were so quick to denounce Donald Trump, even his best friend, Lindsey Graham, who said, oh, I'm out, I can't do this anymore. All of these people or silent or complicit or egging on this conspiracy of fraud for the last two months, thinking to themselves, well, either I'll get a bunch of donations because I'm going to help the Stop the Steal campaign, or I'm afraid of Donald Trump, so I don't want to speak out against him. They all sat there and did absolutely nothing, or worse, they egged it on for the last two months, and now they want to pretend like, oh, well, I have no idea why so many people were confused about this process, like Senator Rand Paul was, who said that he was so confused as to why people thought that the, that the representatives could just overturn the election. I wonder why, Senator Paul. Could it have anything to do with the fact that none of you on the right side of the aisle did anything to speak against Donald Trump the last two months? Did any of you kind of check him when he was saying that everything was fraudulent? I don't think any of them were. And so... The question again is who is to blame? So I know that right now it is very easy to blame, you know, everyone who voted for Trump. That's the easy thing to do, right? Let's just say that everyone who voted for him is the problem. They're the reason why everything's messed up in this country. The Republicans who also back Trump, Trump himself, they're all the problem, right? Well, let's pause that a little bit really quickly here. Let, let's actually pump the brakes on that because maybe that's not the entire story, okay? Let's talk about the media for a second. What role do they play in this? So Fox News has been creating this idea for, I mean, as long as I can remember that the Democrats are trying to destroy the country. And ever when Obama took office, that got catapulted to the idea that every single thing that a Democrat does is trying to take away your freedom of speech, trying to take away your guns, trying to kill all babies with abortion, trying to infringe on your way of life, using their sphere of influence in Hollywood to tell you how to think, you know, just like everything you could think of has been perpetuated on Fox News. They're basically glorified propaganda, okay? And Fox News has been creating this sphere of just like unrest with their viewership for decades now. And so when we talk about 
you know, why are there so many people in this country who are so weary of the government, who are so willing to believe that an election was stolen? Well, let's ask why these people would think that way. Have they been fed lies that the government, you know, like is out to get them every single day, every hour of the day for decades now? Let's ask Fox News. How is their coverage going? What do they constantly say? Have you watched Sean Hannity recently? Do you see how he's been covering all of this? It is no wonder what exactly, you know, is going on because before Trump even like came onto the scene, you know, this had been going on. This groundwork was being laid. Trump didn't create this division that we have in America. He just took advantage of it. He took it to a level that no one was willing to take it and he took it there, but it didn't start with him. And to be fair, this isn't just a Fox problem. This is also a CNN and MSNBC problem because while they're not as egregious and while they don't do it the same way, they still do the exact same thing. And this is something that goes back to the Cold War ending. For those who are unfamiliar, at the end of the Cold War, a lot of these broadcast cable, you know, like news companies were unsure how they were going to maintain their ratings once the Soviet Union fell. And it is widely known that negative news coverage three to one outdoes positive news coverage and ratings. So these cable companies, these news companies are literally incentivized to give you negative information because they think it's better for their ad revenue. It's better for money. It's better for them. So they've picked sides, obviously. Their Fox News is basically a branch of the Republican Party. CNN, MSNBC have taken their you know, side being a branch of the Democratic Party. And you'll notice when you watch these networks that on CNN, MSNBC, every segment ends with, here's something wrong in the world, and this is why the Republicans are to blame for it. And when you watch Fox News, it's, here's what's wrong in the world, here's why the Democrats are to blame for it. And so we have a culture right now where we have these cable companies basically telling everyone who watches their news that your neighbor is your enemy. Anybody who votes differently than you is the real problem in America. And so for decades now, we've been looking over our shoulder at these people who we share this country with, thinking of them as our enemy. And for the first time, really, we had a politician who felt the need to crank up the volume to 12, who thought that this was an appropriate thing to do, to go and just take this divisiveness that was already being you know, instilled through our mainstream media and just manipulate it to a level that no one thought was conscionable. And so not only do we have that, but now we have the added detriment of our social media bubbles. And for those of you who have not currently seen, you know, um, Oh God, there's a, a Netflix special on it. I, I forget what it's called right now, but I think it's the social, uh, doesn't matter. Anyway, our social media bubbles are constructed in such a way that we all have live in our echo chambers. That's, that's pretty widely known at this point right now, right? And so with the combination of the mainstream media feeding out, you know, constant just like negative information about the other side, and with our social media echo chambers can, you know, contributing to that, we are currently living in a place where we are afraid of someone who votes differently than us, and at the same time viewing them as everything that's wrong with this country and that they're all evil.
And while a lot of people on the left think this way about the right, when you talk to people on the right, they feel the exact same way about people on the left. And so when you ask me who is to blame, honestly, it is the puppeteers, the people who are trying to pull all of our strings. Because when I was thinking about how to phrase this episode, the thing that I couldn't help but try to like fit, I couldn't help but try to like think about was this is so obvious to me that we're being pitted against each other again, that both sides of the, of the media are trying to find ways to get us to hate each other over what happened here. When the people who are really at fault here are those who have been profiting off of this division all along. The media and politicians have been profiting off of our division for so long that we are completely like blind to it, I feel as though. And so you have on one side saying that, you know, everyone who votes Democrat is trying to burn down the country. And on the other side, you have saying that everyone who votes for Trump is a white supremacist and a racist. And both of those things are not true. The one thing that I really, you know, want to push is the idea that not everyone who votes for Trump is a terrible person. I know that I have a mostly left-leaning audience, so I just feel the need to say that. You know, and I also want to say that I'm sure that not everyone who was at that protest this week, you know, was one of those rioters or one of those domestic terrorists. When I made my riots of 2020 episode last year, the one thing that I said was that I hated the fact that Fox News was trying to paint every single person who stood for Black Lives Matter as the same as the people who were going into buildings and looting and destroying public property and all of that. Not every rioter, you know, was synonymous with somebody who believed in Black Lives Matter, but Fox News was trying to paint it as such saying that if you believe in Black Lives Matter, if you, in, if you endorse that statement, then you're a crazy looter who's trying to burn down our country. I didn't like when they did that. So I'm not gonna turn around and say that every single person who supports Trump is a white supremacist or everyone who showed up to that rally, you know, is a domestic terrorist. I don't think that's fair. I don't like the idea of us trying to paint everyone with this broad brush. You know, that is, that's just not the truth. And it's an uncomfortable thing for me to say, because I don't want to sound like I'm having any sympathy for people who basically committed acts of terrorism. I'm not talking about those people. Those people should go to jail. And I hope that they go to jail for as long as they humanly can go to jail. Because what they did by breaking into the Capitol, none of that is by any ways, you know, like, okay. And anyone who tries to tell you that it's okay for X, Y, and Z reason don't listen to people like that. So I just want to make it clear that I'm not in any way trying to say that the people who stormed into the Capitol deserve, you know, your sympathy. You know, at the end of the day, regardless of the manipulation that goes on through the media or through politicians, everyone's responsible for their own actions. If you buy that nonsense, that's on you and jail will suit you well because obviously you have to re you know just you have to re-examine some decisions you've made in your life but let me address why i keep preaching about this let's understand each other mindset because it's been a very uncomfortable thing for me to do it would be very easy for me 
to just go ahead and say that everyone who votes for Trump is a terrible person and they're what's wrong with this country. How could they not know this was going to happen? Because let's be fair, look who Trump is as a person. How could you endorse that? How could you vote for that? Who are you? What, what makes you think this is acceptable? Because that's what everyone's saying, right? That's what everyone is saying about people who vote for Trump, that they're deplorables, that they're irredeemable, that there's no point in trying to talk to them. They're lost causes. I, 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 you know what? I understand where you're coming from. I understand why you feel that angry. How couldn't they know that believing in someone like Trump would eventually lead to something like this? How could you not know? But with that being said, you know, let me just tell you where I'm coming from on this. I'm a more liberal person. I wouldn't call myself a true liberal or a Democrat, but I feel like I'm more liberal than conservative. So I am disgusted by what I see from Trump and from, you know, some of the people who vote for him. You know, because while I do not believe that every Trump supporter is a white supremacist, I know that the white supremacists have found a home in the Republican Party, and they're very comfortable there. But, you know, with all that being said, it's really hard for me to even have these conversations because I get really angry about it. I get shaky. I don't, I don't always want to hear the other side, but I also know that it's necessary because the easy thing to do is just to denounce everyone who thinks differently than you and walk the other way and pretend like they don't exist. But the hard thing to do and the right thing to do, in my opinion, in my opinion, is to confront the fact that these people share our country with us and there's about just as many of them as there are of us and we have to find a way to make this work. I know that that's not an easy thing to hear, especially on a week like this, but I'm telling you in my personal opinion, I believe it's the only move that we have. And you know, I'm just trying to have a little bit of understanding because I understand how the media has manipulated us on both sides, trying to get us to hate each other. There have been obvious reasons to distrust the government in and of a whole, which is why I'm sure a lot of people so easily fell for the whole fraudulent election thing. It's easy to distrust the government. They haven't exactly been our friends. They haven't exactly created good conditions for us. I mean, we don't have to spell out everything that's wrong in this country right now to know that our government has failed us. It's why Congress has a less than 20% approval rating. No one likes what's happening right now. It's the reason why, as I said in a previous episode, people like Trump and Andrew Yang and Bernie Sanders have such strong followings is because so many people are upset with business as usual in this country. We're all tired of it. So of course, there is the, the framework for someone like Trump to be as popular as he is because all someone really had to do was point out the fact that the government's corrupt and that was enough for some people to cling on to them. And Trump manipulated those people knowing full well that he was lying the entire time, but did not care. You could tell he did not care. That's why you get on a phone call and ask a secretary of state to just find votes for you because you don't care because this was never about legitimacy. This was about winning. It was about power. He knows that. And I feel for the good people who believe in him, who have been manipulated by his consistent lies. And let's just be fair, propaganda works. It really does. 
Repetition is a thing that our minds are susceptible to. Advertisers do it to us all the time. You hear it in commercials, you hear it in songs. That's why certain songs are so catchy. Our brains are naturally cued into repetition. And so when your president, who you like, tells you every single day, multiple times a day, that election was fraudulent, eventually you just believe the election was fraudulent. You don't know why, but you just do. And so 75 million people are not deporting. They're not leaving this country. The people who voted for Trump are not leaving. I know that we don't want to listen to what everyone else has to say all the time, but there's gotta be times where you have to just, you know, like drop the ego a little bit and just try to have a conversation with somebody you disagree with. That's advocacy. That is moving forward. That is one of the things I was thinking about when I posted that post on my story this week, where I said that, you know, you got to figure out, you know, you got to stop pulling people out of the river. Sometimes you have to go upstream and find out why they're falling in in the first place. And so as I kind of wrap up this episode, I will, I just want to say that the quote that really stuck out to me this week, as I've been looking for quotes to end these episodes with, uh, came from a W.E.B. Dubois, who said that, Ignorance can destroy this country or this country can destroy ignorance. I hope that we will choose to do the latter and not give in to this divisiveness, which is let's find a way to hate everyone who's different than us and blame them for everything that's wrong with the country. Because at the end of the day, where we should really be placing the blame is in the people who have been profiting off of this division all along. Members of the mainstream media who seek to divide us, politicians who seek to divide us, Donald Trump who seeks to divide us. So this episode was something that I was a little hesitant to do because it's episodes like this that made me want to start the podcast in the first place. It's also the reason why I call it independent thought, because as long as I've been paying attention to politics, one thing that's been obvious to me is that the Democrats aren't the good guys. The Republicans aren't the good guys. They are both the bad guys. And so it's hard for me to say that I am a Democrat or a Republican because I see corruption on both sides. And I feel like we've all been manipulated by it, which is why I feel the need to speak on it, which is why I felt the need to even start this podcast. And so closing statement for those who still feel the need to hate everyone who voted for Trump, I got to tell you, I don't, I don't like the idea of us trying to live like that because I don't want to be held accountable for everyone who I vote for. I voted for Biden this election. I'm sure a lot of people who listen to this also did. And let me just say, you know, here's why I don't believe that it's fair to hold someone accountable for that. Because while I voted for Biden in this election, I don't feel like I should be accountable for the time where Biden worked with segregationists to keep things the, just the way they are, like he did in the 1970s. I also don't want to be held accountable for the times where Biden was chastising Anita Hill, you know, demeaning her sexual assault experience when they were trying to get a Supreme Court justice seat filled in the 1990s. I don't want to be held accountable for the time that Biden, you know, advocated for the crime bill, which is still ravaging the black community all the way until today with the harsh penalties that we have. I don't wanna be involved in Joe Biden's decision to vote for the Iraq war, which was an absolute mistake. And anyone with a brain could have seen that George W. Bush was lying about weapons of mass destruction. 
I don't want to be involved for Joe Biden's decision to help to co-sponsor the bankruptcy bill, which has now made it impossible to get rid of your student loans, even if you declare bankruptcy. I don't want to be lumped in with Joe Biden for how he was a part of an administration that deported more people than any other administration ever has in the history of our country. And yes, I'm talking about the Obama administration. Joe Biden was one of the people directly involved with that. The cages that Trump's been putting kids into, those cages were built during the Obama administration. So as we're sitting here talking about, you know, should we lay the blame at Trump voters for everything that Trump does, maybe we should be a little more hesitant on trying to blame people for the decisions that the politicians made that they voted for. Let's just try to keep that all in mind. With that being said, thank you for listening to my very divisive take on what happened at the Capitol this week. And for those of you who decided to continue with your subscription after I have made a very controversial take, I appreciate that because I just felt like this needed to be said. If you have any thoughts or comments or any disagreements whatsoever, feel free to send me a DM on Instagram or Twitter. I am open to having a conversation about anything I talked about today. For everyone else, thank you for listening. See you next time. Come on.